Alright, what's up everybody? This is Arash Anini. Let us get into the news of the day. Alright, so I'm the founder of Jet Engine Marketing. And we started a brand called Viduant. It is going to completely automate the B2B marketing process. And... Okay, so I have some excellent news. Why do I take such pleasure in the reality checks of other people? Um, I know why, because I'm a little bitter and a little jealous. So front page right now in the Wall Street Journal business section is Silicon Valley's unbridled optimism gets reality check. And I couldn't be happier. Um, I don't hate these people, but the amount of capital that's poured into dumb ideas is insane. How many times over could we have solved grave world issues? Forget world issues, local issues, national issues, poverty, mental health, education, nutrition. Well, I mean, so many, so many times over we could have solved these problems with the money that was dumped into the dumpster fires that is most of Silicon Valley. I mean, these people are the worst. They're the worst of the worst. Not the engineers, not the marketers, these founders that flock to San Francisco to become the next Steve Jobs when they haven't come up with an original idea in their entire fucking lives. It's crazy. Scooters? Are you fucking kidding me? I hope you die, scooter company. I even use, the what do I use, lime. These things are so deadly. As soon as you get on one, you realize, I'm on a rocket that's got a fucking electric motor here. You hit anything wrong, you're going to fly into the air. The brakes don't always work because they're getting used. I hope I hope they fix their shit. But you know what? They're so arrogant. You could never, no matter what they say in their stupid little conferences, you could never get a hold of one of these CEOs and convince them to change. It takes so much effort to make uh, an arrogant young founder who's seen some success change the direction of their company. There's no way. I've tried it with much smaller businesses. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? You're going to, if you're not going to fail, you're going to be a tenth the size you could be if you just did this. And the worst is if they get some investment and then they think they're fucking Jesus Christ himself sent to save all of us peasants from our meek ways, you know, and the hard part for me is I can see business models. I'm like a, I think I'm like a savant when it comes to business models. I can immediately see a business model. And then more importantly, I can understand why business models won't work. And I'm really, really, really good at understanding how new business models do work. That's why I've carved a niche out of my um, life of, be of becoming a customer acquisition uh, consultant. Typically, the business that's trying to get to market doesn't have the best understanding of its product market fit. It knows there's a need. It knows it's got an idea. 
but matching those two is not simple. And so the way it's doing things isn't, it's just one way of positioning the product to get customers online. The reason I'm so successful is because I reposition and reposition and reposition over and over and over again until I get the best possible uh, cost per leads and customer acquisition costs. And that takes an ability to, to work through mm -hmm. business models really quickly, relatively quickly. And so it kills me that I've never been able to get these crazy checks that these people have been able to get. You know, I used to think that. Now I'm like, I'm like 1% as jealous. Maybe on a bad day like today, let's say I'm 3 to 5% as jealous uh, jealous as I used to be. I used to be crazy jealous because I'm like, these people are getting checks to change the world. I mean, they're all going bankrupt. Meanwhile, I was trying to start an indoor farming company. I actually invented several things, got a showroom going. I just couldn't raise money. I was bad at it. It was the Midwest, and we were pre-revenue in a very unproven field that was capital intensive. Oh, my God. It was the worst case scenario. So now I'm like, don't want to raise money, man. Not only do I not trust most founders, I don't trust most venture capitalists. How do you have an 80% failure rate and you're still marginally successful? That's kind of crazy. You're so bad at picking founders that you're writing checks effectively to people that remind you of them, of yourself. And then here's the other problem. Founders are scamming the shit out of investors. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. If you are a founder, you kind of have, you're, you're a hustler. Not by, not and I don't mean by the fact, uh, the, the way of, what's the phrase? I don't mean hustling in terms of getting up early and working really hard every day. No, 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 no. I mean tricking people into giving you money. You're good at sales, you're good at manipulation, you're good at convincing, and if you use those talents for wrong, you're a piece of shit. If you use those talents to lead honorably a venture that is, seeks to build the new economy, which I'm trying to do, I think you're not a piece of shit. You're a good person. Now, the hard part is, Telling investors what they want to hear is so easy for a founder because a founder is usually smarter than the venture capitalist and uh, hungrier, so they're more willing to take risk and can see the venture capitalist uh, buy signals a mile away and will simply sell, pitch the company that will get the investment. That's happening so much in Silicon Valley. No one's talking about it, but all these venture capital firms are getting ripped off by smiling um Oh, God, I'm wearing my black T-shirt. Uh, Steve Jobs, motherfuckers. I mean, it's just left and right. And you see it. And of course these scooters are a bad idea. Who thought these scooters were a great idea? Oh, but unit economics is really good if you do that just past the... Oh, shut up. You're all going to get stolen. Some um, hacker found out a way to get the uh get the gps off it was in a boing boing article and uh they're all just gonna get stolen now everyone's gonna be riding their own and say see ya to whatever dummy paid for hundreds of them let's see password redacted Well, 
God damn it. Now the pet gods are angry at me. Talking so much shit. Oh, this is driving me crazy. Okay. Oh, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to Sasser Conference um, February 5th through 7th. And, you know, I'm launching a SAS. I want to learn. I'm willing to learn from people. But here's the other thing that kills me. So I got a ticket to their inclusivity inclusion program at Saster. And I'm like, I'm conservative. I don't think you would include conservatives in this. If I told you that, they think I'm like a gay Iranian immigrant founder or something. And I'm actually very happy to, very thankful to get this ticket for free. Now, could I have paid for it? Yeah, I could have. Um, not at the time that I, I signed up, though. At the time I signed up, they gave it to me for free. And it is definitely helping me this month to get there and not have to pay for the ticket. So I'm very thankful for that. But I feel a little bit like a Trojan horse because their inclusivity bullshit in Silicon Valley is not, not for Trump supporters. That's for sure. Are you inclusive of Trump supporters? Because I fucking doubt you would let people in wearing a MAGA hat. I doubt it. And <laughs> I would get so much free PR if I wore a MAGA hat to this thing. Everyone would be <laughs> tweeting and Instagramming. Oh my god, so triggered. This brown man is wearing... You would fucking believe it. A red mega hat. Ah. Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't mean to disrespect anybody by just being myself. But man, it's very tough in Silicon Valley. Because I'm not a fucking lame shill. The crazy thing to me too is that these founders fail. And they always fail forward. And I get it. It's hard. I couldn't do what I did with... Three tries and probably two fifty to three hundred thousand dollars in angel funds over six years, though. Some of these people they get, you know, that's a one seed round for one venture, five hundred k, and they raise a million and a half, and then they go on and raise more after that. And I never had access to venture capital. Never, 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 never. No venture capitalist ever decided to bet on me. I convince them it's so crazy to me because i'm literally the person they say they want to invest in but when i get face to face to them i don't speak their i haven't i used to not maybe i can do it now better but i don't speak their bullshit venture capital language that these young uh ivy league grads are very fluent in and use it to raise money there's a there is a culture out there that if you fit into, you don't have to do much to move forward. But if you don't fit into, you have to do so much to get in. I've went out there. I've had meetings. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to hear it from me. And uh, and I'm not gonna grovel for investment capital. If someone wants to be my partner, if someone wants to believe in me, that's great. But I'm not going to. Bend over backwards so that a venture capitalist can take over my company. 
there's just no way, right? And so Vigilant is all bootstrapped, and you know I am looking for a small angel investor, but that's different. Um, do I need it? No. Will it speed things up this year? Certainly. Am I open to it? Absolutely, if it's the right person. But I don't think I could stand having a venture capitalist on my board. I just don't see what gives them the right to be there. The money isn't it. I'm giving equity. You're, I'm, you're buying stock for a fixed price. So why are these other strings attached to it? And I have not met a venture capitalist that that... I think has the grit of an entrepreneur. You know, try asking a VC where, what makes up their fund? Where does their money come from? Um, they get real angry real fast because they're used to the power imbalance. We got the money, you need it. So the, the money moves this way. Questions don't. And even I was like super respectful and curious, you know, what am I dealing with here? Um, they pretty much said bye-bye. Another guy, I told him, hey, listen, I am a B2B version of Company X. And he told me about Company X a year ago when I'd been pitching this guy like an idiot for a year. And uh, <laughs> he said, <coughs> he said, he's all about customer acquisition. <coughs> and he's like, I'm not investing until you have a, you have a, um, <coughs> what do you call it? Oh my God. <clears throat> you have like a secret sauce to your customer acquisition. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's my whole thing. I'm a customer acquisition consultant. I conduct, I consult under the toughest business circumstances. Um, my whole business model is based off of my customer acquisition skills. And I tested all my customer acquisition ideas last year so that this year I know what I'm going to focus on because I know what worked and what didn't from last year because I have a patented algorithm and a process and a whole fucking thing that I've told you about, but you don't believe me. This is the same guy when I walked in as a <clears throat> uh, member of another startup that was pitching him. Uh, he... he Immediately, like, who's this? I'm like, dude, I'm their, I'm with them. What are you talking about? I helped them get here. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm their mentor. And there's this propensity amongst the um, hyper-educated to think that if someone doesn't use the language that they use, then they're not educated. But amongst actually intelligent people, it doesn't matter the language, it's the ideas. And so I can speak my idea with a certain language to this group and with another language to that group, but it's the same idea and the words are just mixed. Is it good marketing? Yes. Does it connect people faster? Yes. But if you think someone's dumb because they don't use the jargon, then you're you're actually dumb. If you were smart, you could see through that layer of jargon into the actual idea, but you're not. So what am I supposed to do about that? But this motherfucker, he said... Yeah, uh, I would love to invest if there was a, uh, you know, some sort of secret sauce for the customer acquisition. And I'm like, dude, here's my, you're, okay, I have that. Okay, I didn't say any of this stuff. I thought it was going to go over well. And I said, we do have that. And then he asked for a deck. I'm like, that's a good sign. Okay. 
And by the time I sat down and got around to it, I'm like, you know, let me just double check his portfolio for this company that he told me about, but they weren't, he wasn't an investor at the time. Well, now he's an investor and it's on his fucking portfolio page. And I'm like, hey, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. But uh, aren't you an investor in company X that I listed at the end of the email that you after which you immediately asked for a deck for business model and traction with traction information one would think you might be unscrupulously trying to get information for your portfolio company when you could never invest in me now there, yeah, there's just no way around it. There's no way they would ever invest in my company because it's too close to one of their investors. Yet he asked me, this partner asked me for, and knew after knowing this, the last line of the email, the last thing he read before he wrote his response was, I'm a version of your company, of Company X. He asked for traction information and business model. How are you making your money? How well is it working? Because if it's working well, well, we can't invest in you because you'd be directly competing with an existing portfolio company. But maybe we can help our existing portfolio company outperform their peers. You. And I was just like, oh, God. Dumb venture capitalists are the worst. They are the worst because they think they're geniuses and they're actually kind of dumb if you were smart you would start your own next big thing i mean i'm not saying all venture capitalists are dumb but the bad ones surely are they must know that if they had a better reputation they'd get more deals i just i gotta respect you as a human being if i don't respect you i just can't do business with you it's like I can't get married to you financially. Then you, and then they want a seat on my board? Are you fucking kidding me? There's no way. There's no way I'm letting a donkey get on my board. I think one of my top founding principles at Vigilant, <clears throat> as we spin it off, is going to be loyalty, man. Loyalty to the company. You're loyal to us, we'll be loyal to you. The day you're disloyal is the day you're discarded, dude. Netflix, see ya, go work somewhere else. That's all I want. I don't even want people. Listen, we're not inventing a cure for cancer, okay? I've already done all the hard technical, not technical stuff, strategic stuff, okay? I know what everyone needs to do. Now, we need bodies to do them. Now, I don't need NASA scientists. If you want to come work, that's great. But I don't need that level of engineering, okay? I'm not saying I don't want smart people involved in my company, but I want people to be loyal, not only to the company, but to each other. I don't want people to come to work for me and feel like they have to protect their back constantly. I don't want people to feel a sense of dread coming to work. I don't want them to feel exploited by coming to work. I don't want any of that shit, dude. It's just work. We're just selling ones and zeros. Everybody calm the fuck down. We're going to create a great culture. And I think loyalty is going to be a key principle to yourself, to your team, 
to your company. What more could you ask for? Just be a <clears throat> be an honorable human being, and we will do the same. Um, speaking of which, how companies secretly boost their Glassdoor ratings. Unless you're Gary Vaynerchuk, then you're at like 50% because of the hustle. Sorry, Gary, just teasing. Executives at Davos put brave face on jittery mood. They are so brave. They're just so brave. Those top 1% earners of the world. They're so brave. Oh, God. When I think of people diving through the front lines of a battlefield, I think of Davos executives and their bravery. Look at them. Look at them. Stocks fall as economic concerns resurface. Yeah, we should have economic concerns. Everyone's been investing in stupid shit. All those companies are going to die and the good ideas are going to rise to the surface. Finally. God, the sugar high of Silicon Valley is outrageous, man. Outrageous. Amini at... Let's see, this is great podcasting, I know. Password. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, what else is going on? That's actually a, it's a crazy time because I think we're going to see a tsunami of investment capital flood into the few founders that get their heads out of their asses and create business models that are actually businesses are actually innovative man i got this Huawei phone uh laptop and while it's beautiful and great um i just feel like it's that red phone that the president has on his desk that directly connects me to the people's liberation army of china i just I, you know, hey, and I'm like, it's a global world. What do I care? They're going to steal my patents anyway if they are, if I get on their radar. But, um, like, that's how cynical I think my generation is. Like, we don't even care anymore. We're just like, just take it. Who cares? I gave it all to Facebook. Now Facebook's asking me what do I look like in the past. How did my face change in the last 10 years? Take a picture of face one and face two 10 years apart so I can train my machine learning cyborg algorithm to understand aging and probably use that to figure out what I'll look like in 10 more years because I'm Mark Zuckerberg and I need to understand human emotion a little bit better before I people can believe I'm actually a human being god bless that kid but holy crap do you see him at the at the uh, congressional hearings I mean, just cyborged up. And he was, like, maybe nervous. So his skin was a little paler than normal, and he was got a little sweat going. And he literally looked like Data from Star Trek, the poor guy. You know, clearly he's a genius. Um, but emotionally intelligent, I don't know if he's got the EQ of, a, of an emotionally intelligent genius. And his IQ is probably through the roof. But, you know, they do that thing, too, where they 
you know, um, fire like the last bottom 25% of performers, so it's constantly a scramble up to, to the ranks, and the goal is growth, and so everyone's like, oh, trying to reach for that fucking golden ring so they can get out of the Silicon Valley hell that is predominantly about people abusing other people. <clears throat> and you don't get paid until you get into one of these cushy-ass, um, you know, high-growth unicorns, uh, revenue-positive companies that finally make it out, that scale and then turn on the flip and the, the revenue switch and, and make a ton of money. And listen, I use Google, I use Facebook, I love, I love the services all these companies provide. It's not really about them they're they're not the issue to me the issue is kind of this culture we have of worshiping um founders you know and i get it everybody wants to everyone wants to be a genius but i gotta be honest with you i'm actually a genius and nobody fucking likes me <laughs> everyone nobody thinks i am I have. Very few people believe it. And I don't let most people in. I dare, I can't believe I even said it out here out loud, half jokingly. I'm also dumb about certain things at times, but um, I have trained my brain. You know, I had a, I just think smart people have a high, like, CPU, uh, uh, what would you call it, cycle rate of processing speed. <clears throat> but what you spend your brain, what you feed your brain, determines a lot of stuff and I think people will realize that once they see what I've actually built and how big of a business I've built you know quietly and unassumingly but most people look at me and they think I'm dumb <laughs> they do it's been like this my whole life it's so frustrating now as soon as I get famous or what do you call it uh, well-known, all these people are going to come out of the woodwork and say, oh, I knew you were this, I knew you were that, and, uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so if you're actually a genius, uh, you know that it's just full of hard turmoil, full of hard work, full of tumultuous relationships, full of failure, full of self-doubt. You don't get this instant massive self uh what would you call it uh, feedback loop or or a uh um just the positive feedback at such a young age that a mark zuckerberg got that's all people really want you know and if i stole an idea and ran with it maybe i'd be there too but hey that's another story for another time let's talk about real wealth inequality here by the way i could rip on silicon valley all day Silicon Valley is where you go to put a business that needs money. Charlotte, North Carolina, and many other places are where you put your business to make money. And so my business makes money and lives off that. Other people's businesses need money. That's fine. Research and development and so on and so forth. But could I take those checks too? Maybe not. Hopefully I will never need to. Hopefully I will be a self-made billionaire and I'll be able to seed any project that I want and get the investors that I think are worth having on board um, follow with follow-on capital. I hope to I hope to do it like one of my mentors, Richard Kincaid. He is the shit. He made a bajillion dollars 
he started, he licensed his own technology, brought it to the U.S., started a company. He's like 10 years in. He's finally got it going where it needs to go. And uh, he's self-funding the damn thing. And would he do it again? He would say unequivocally no. But um, but that's the way I want to do it. Because I just, uh, investors are the worst, man. They're the worst. Most of them are the worst. And um, let's talk about real wealth inequality. There are starting positions at Lyft that make $216,000 a year. The average household income in America is $55,000 a year. That's fucked up to go from college into a $216,000 a year job. That's like, what is that, eighteen grand a month? No, more than that. Somewhere around there, right? And that's appalling. You shouldn't be making that much money straight out of college. Now, did you go to an Ivy League school, most likely, and study computer science? Probably. Are you a shoo-in for venture capital money? Of course. And do you perpetuate the bubble that is Silicon Valley? How could you not? You went from one bubble into another, into another, into another, and your life is all roses. Do I blame you? No. Would I do the same thing? 100% yes. If I didn't know any better, I would do it. Does it limit your worldview? Unequivocally. Can you only solve problems that you understand as a human being? Right, of course. But if you're living in a bubble, what kind of problems can you actually see? Well, you see dog walking problems and Airbnb management problems and food delivery robot problems and parking problems and youth blood transfusion problems. What else do you see? You see the stupidest fucking problems in the world, and you build to solve those because you can, everywhere you look, people have them. And there's a lot of people seemingly that have them, but they're only in Silicon Valley, L.A., and New York. You can't scale most of that shit out of Silicon Valley. And who has the money to go to L.A. for a week just to drum up some business or hold a bunch of meetings over the course of a month across all sorts of hours and times. People that made $216,000 their first year out of college and could save money, you know, real money after working for even a year. You could work a year, put half of that away. I mean, good Lord, you're working all the time anyway. You're not going out. You got low expenses if you don't have a kid. So, of course, you got a light, you got a savings that is more than probably more than a average household in America makes an entire year. Do I blame you? No. I'm just saying, of course you can go raise money. And guess, who's, uh, guess who all the contrarian venture capitalists love investing in? Engineers from former big companies. Now here's the thing. The shift is already, I'm seeing it in that article, it's shifting away from this Elysium in Silicon Valley towards Asia. The market is shifting towards the Asian uh, middle class. And these people in Silicon Valley, they don't know what real problems are like. And so they can't solve them. And they therefore can't even scale something that they're not going to be able to solve for. Um, at the same time, I, that's a whole other conversation for another time. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vigilant Show. Stay vigilant. 
How about that? That's our motto. All right.